This is horrible code, horrible bourbon. Welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Breaches, where we cover one of our favorite bourbons and the top five most interesting data breaches from the last week. I'm Steve. Michael. Sue. Maggie. And that'll be the crew for today. Miguel is taking a leave of absence. Uh, he's probably making barbecue in Argentina. So uh, let's jump right into the bourbon. Today's bourbon, we are going to cover Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, it's a straight bourbon. Uh, and Basil Hayden is uh, a controversial bourbon. So I will start off by saying I enjoy Basil Hayden, uh, but not everything we say today is going to be a glowing review. So let's talk a little bit about Basil Hayden. So Basil Hayden, if we go to their site, uh, you can see their straight bourbon whiskey and their straight bourbon whiskey is uh, well-reviewed. It is also a San Francisco World Spirits Competition double gold winner 2020. So we are continuing on the theme of uh, double gold winners. Uh, it is not the cheapest double gold winner. I think we covered that on our last episode with uh, the... Uh, Evan Williams, um, but it is a double gold winner. Um, now what's interesting for those of you who don't know, which included me for a long time, uh, Basil Hayden is a Jim Beam product. So it is made in the Jim Beam still house in Claremont, Kentucky. Did you stop by uh, this place, you when you went on the uh, bourbon trail? I did not stop at the Jim Beam facility when I was there. Missed opportunity. Uh, Jim Beam is right down the road from the Four Roses bottling facility, which is an amazing brand uh, that we will have on our show uh, in an upcoming episode. I wanted to go to Four Roses, I did not. That also sounds like a missed opportunity. Um, Jim Beam, well-known brand. They also have some lesser known sub-brands. So if you actually take a look at the inside of this beautiful facility, Knob Creek is one of theirs. Um, but if we go over to our friends at breakingbourbon.com, you can see that uh, Basil Hayden is one of the small batch bourbon collections, including Knob Creek, Baker's, and Booker's. Uh, they also make reference to uh, Old Grandad, um, which I've heard is a great bourbon. I've never had it, uh, but evidently it's supposed to have a similar mash bill um, to Old, old Grandad. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pour this. Um, again, lovely bourbon, <clears throat> really pretty bottle, uh, a light color. And so we're not dealing with dark ambers. This is more of a light caramel. Uh, on the nose, you know, Breaking Bourbon says you're going to get peaches and berries and fruit. I'm really not getting any of that. I do get some uh, oak and a little bit of, of uh, pepper and, and orange zest. So uh, I'm getting some of that now. 
So it's a good sipping bourbon. Um, it's pleasant. It's um, oak, a little sweet. Maybe I'm getting some of this um, light vanilla, but I will say that it is noticeably thin, like it says here. So I'm going to put all the uh, tasting notes away. Um, what I'm getting from this, you know, it's an 80 proof and it's smooth. That's a good sipping bourbon. Um, and if it's, you know, at a bar, you're not going to go wrong with it. Um, but it is uh, sort of flat. It's a little uh, monocolor or monotaste. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's a good bourbon to have like in the background if you didn't want to really pay attention too closely to the bourbon. Um, but I, I found uh, maybe it's the proof or maybe it's, um, you know, the mash bill, but I found 1843 uh, and even Evan Williams single barrel to be uh, so much more interesting and, and sort of captivating as a sipping bourbon. Um, I'm the only one having this today, but uh, Shu, you have a few opinions about Basil Hayden. What, what do you think of Basil Hayden? I do have some opinions on Basil Hayden's, uh, and let me share them with you. Um, I've had, uh, so Jim Beam, I, I, Booker's, I think is solid. I think Booker's is very solid. Knob Creek is solid too. Uh, so I'm not like uh, just generally down on Jim Beam, just for the sake of being down on Jim Beam. Basil Hayden's, I would add a flavor profile uh, of water. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about Basil Hayden's. I, 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 I was not a fan. I've had it probably about three or four times. Um, so I'm not drinking Basil Hayden's today. It, it is a pretty bottle. I, I, appreciate, bottle. I appreciate their um, marketing mm -hmm. um, until today. I assumed that it was some sort of craft bourbon producer. I did not assume that it was um, uh, Jim Beam. They don't mention Jim Beam anywhere on the bottle. So kudos to them for at least attempting to make a, a brand that is distinct. I do notice it's a little watery. Um, and, and it's kind of weird because I've had 80 proof bourbons before that had a thicker mouthfeel. Um, so I don't know, don't know what the cause of that is. Um, I like it, I enjoy it. You know, clearly I got it and I'm on the last few uh, sips of it. So um, I would buy it again, but it's, it's one of those bourbons that um, if I could buy Evan Williams or 1843 instead, those are both cheaper and for me more interesting. So uh, it's not going to be my first pick. Yeah, I agree. I was not a fan of the of the taste. I thought it was very, very bland. Um, and you're right, there's a lot of better bourbons at that price point. And if you want more exciting and better tasting bourbons, um, you definitely go cheaper and achieve that. I, I don't feel like the San Francisco uh, World Spirit Competition double gold winner list has done us wrong. I, I think I think they earned their medal. Um, I just think that they are in a class of bourbon producers that have a lot of 
very interesting flavors. Um, and this one just sort of hits right in the middle. Uh, Nikki, tell us what you're wearing and drinking today. Okay, let's carve off some time for first the shirt. This is Ramen Tatsuya, local Austin ramen spot. And the bourbon is Bardstown, which I had mentioned in a previous episode. And now that I have the bottle in front of me, can confirm is uh, distilled in Bardstown, Kentucky. Nice. Can Spoiler you... alert. I don't, I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's great for old fashioned. <laughs> What, what do we do with bottles we don't like? Because I've got like five of those that I've just been sitting on. I, just, I don't want to cover them. You just suck it up and drink them. Oh, <laughs> no. There's so many good bourbons. To, there's, no, there's no room in life for bad bourbon. When you're, it's like 11 or 12 o'clock at night and you're coding and you're getting life and depressed and just want to get drunk. Just pour the bad bourbon. Do we need to review your code and (laughs) specifically code checked in after midnight? (laughs) This is horrible code, horrible bourbon. Speaking of horrible code, I think we're going to see some of that in this episode. Nikki, what do we have for uh, story number one? Nissan source code leaked after it used admin as both username and password. Um. Nissan's source code was leaked because of a misconfigured Git server uh, on the company. And information that was leaked was, it was basically source code on the mobile app, market research tools, uh, diagnostics tools, data assets. There was a lot going on. Um, And you guys had actually brought this story up because it was just so stupid. now that we're here live, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, anybody who thinks that this story is unique and that other companies, some of whom are laughing at Nissan right now, don't have some of their source code in exposed repositories with admin admin or some version of admin admin, uh, you're, you're wrong. This is much more common than it appears and Nissan just got caught with their pants down. Yeah, I would say the the article was a little light on details, but it referenced the quote shadow IT problem where it basically says that um, outside of standard security processes in your organization, some developer installs some tool somewhere and um, um, yeah, and it doesn't adhere to any sort of uh, review or anything within the organization um, and thus it was exposed. So um, I feel like one of the things that Nissan could have done to mitigate this is not create an environment where your developers have to throw up random servers somewhere. That's one of the key things here. I mean, it's laughable to use admin admin as username and password. Um, I think they either used an appliance, an off the shelf instance that had uh, GitHub or had other Git uh, installed um, and they didn't read the instructions that said, hey, make sure you change the password and probably the username as well. Second story we'll be covering, um, headline reads, 70 terabytes of parlor users' messages, videos, and posts leaked by security researchers. Uh, big news last week, 
swept the country. Everybody was watching while they were working from home. Um, basically, Parler, a social network used to plan the storming of the US Capitol last week has been hit by a massive data scrape. Security researchers collected swaths of user data before the network went dark Monday morning after Amazon, Google, and Apple booted the platform. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on this in terms of uh, privacy part of it? What do you guys think? Privacy? Look, if you were storming the Capitol and you live streamed yourself and you live stream yourself to Parler and somebody indexed it so they can find you later, good. I hope you said your name and address too. Good. Like, I'm glad they don't call them hackers because no one hacked Parler. Uh, someone uh, looked around. Well, okay, so so the the most interesting part of the story is Parler had a had a vulnerability in how they wrote their 2FA that enabled someone to make an admin account. So wrap your head around that. They implemented multi-factor so poorly that you could make an admin account. You should never be able to make an admin account. If, if, you, haven't, if you don't have separate sign-up processes for admins versus everyone else, like that's shame on you. And then to think that they tried to implement security and they only introduced a security vulnerability, like they're, they're, not, they're not working with the best code here. Um, and uh, the fact that the data that people uh, were deleting was not actually being deleted. I mean, that, that's what everyone does. Like nothing goes away. Snapchat doesn't actually delete your, your selfies. They, they just move them off somewhere else. Um, or maybe they do, don't, don't sue us. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, don't trust anyone to actually delete things they say that, that they delete. Um, so, so like, yeah, some security researcher was able to get an admin account, but is it hacking? Like, not really. Maybe. No, not at all. I want to emphasize that too. It, this was not hacking. This was, uh, uh, the researcher said that they basically scraped public information that was available. Um, creating an admin account, that was, that's even kind of a stretch as to what they needed to do. Um, ours actually kind of went more into detail on what happened. And they talked about things like the authentication scheme was easily bypassed, like you said, um, and even so, a lot of information didn't require authentication, you just get it. So they didn't do any throttling requests. Um, incremental IDs, they implemented incremental ideas. IDs, again, this is like the second week in a row we've talked about this, don't use ID1, ID2, ID3. So um, yeah, this was not a very sophisticated hack. Um, it was not a very sophisticated scrape is what it basically was. Um, I think the most, um, the most important thing to take out of this was uh, it turns out that they did not scrub GPS data also from the photos and videos. So if you're a user and you post, uh, you're posting a parlor of like your dog um, and then you post another video of you storming the Capitol. It's very easy, easily correlated here. Ready for number three? Widely used software company may be entry point for huge US hacking. 
Russian hackers may have piggybacked on a tool developed by JetBrains, which is based in the Czech Republic, to gain access to federal government and private sector systems in the United States. This is a story that keeps on giving. I think we've covered it three episodes in a row and so in a span of five weeks or so. Um, you guys have more informational tidbits to share. What do you got? JetBrains. I've not used Team City before, which is the tool implemented, uh, implicated in this, but JetBrains makes excellent developer products. I do not use uh, JetBrains products, but I've tried them in the past and they seemed pretty okay. Um, and I know a big chunk of our team uses them, um, but didn't they deny it? So they yeah. were accused and then they denied it. Yeah, who, they did. Who they, accused them? Uh, I, I don't know if anyone officially accused them. What the, um, what happened with uh, the reporting and the FBI said that um, Jet, that Team City, which is a code build tool, an automated code build tool, may have been used in this process. Um, you used how used for development because like Sublime yeah. Text is supporting like 12 ransomware gangs just by existing. I mean, you can't blame <laughs> A developer right. tool for being good yeah like yes. that, that's blaming uh hd Moore, who's who's yeah. here in austin like so the, metasploit is used by hackers around the world but that like no one blames hd Moore for making metasploit no you're essentially right this is has the solar winds attack has been described as a supply chain attack and um the team city is just just the chain in the supply chain, right? So the attackers use the SolarWinds keys. They had to get the keys and then uh, used it to sign code. Uh, to sign code, they may have used, they may have used JetBrains for this, um, but, they, uh, uh, but uh, a similarity may be if someone steals your key to break into your house and steal steal your TV, are you going to blame the lock? Or are you going to blame the, the door? No, you're going to blame you losing the key. So hey, hey, I'm going to blame blame K8. <laughs> I'm going to blame them I mean, damn Kubernetes. Bastard Kubernetes. <laughs> those those Kubernetes are to blame. Uh, breaking into my house and stealing my TV. Freaking Kubernetes, man! They're blameless and everything. I swear. Um, so yeah, yeah. So they, they, uh, JetBrains has denied this. They've denied that they, they have said that they are unaware of any security vulnerabilities, which may or may not be true. Um, so yeah, this, this may be a situation where they're just a chain in a supply chain. Well, we've got a resident supply chain, uh, risk expert on the cast. Mike, what do you think of all this? Uh, nothing that nothing that you guys haven't said. Look, uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of tools that are widely used. They're used by everybody in their stack. It's not uh, necessarily incumbent uh, on the third party. Uh, it's on the incumbent on the third party to do everything within their power uh, to prevent abuse. But you know, there's there are things outside of outside of their power as well. 
And that's, that's the long and short of it. You know, if, if it's a specific issue that affects customers, Salesforce, for instance, almost every uh, best in breed sales stack is built in and uses Salesforce. They had an API error last year that exposed customers and customers' customers' data. Um, that's, it's incumbent on them not to happen. They make a heavy investment in security so that that, so that, that doesn't happen. Um, but it's really tough when you get to tools um, that are essentially in themselves marketplaces, you know, where other third parties are going to build on top of them to get into a stack. So uh, it, it stuff happens. I, I think this is solar winds is turning into the poster child of third party risk. Solar winds used by 18,000 companies, at least 10 government organizations that have admitted to it. Um, and hackers broke into one company, SolarWinds, and they were able to get access to 18,000. Um, it's the case in point, the supply chain attack. And I think the fact that they're trying to trace the chain and trace it to include JetBrains some way, somehow, um, I, I think this is uh, just showing everyone how critical third-party risk is. If you don't care who your vendors are, um, and if you aren't incredibly uh, protective about how you interact with your vendors and how you monitor your vendors, you're, you're in for a rough, a rough ride. So. But it, and then it comes down to what you've shared or what what network connections, you know, are, are actually available is, is where I'm going with that. So you can't, it, this is, this is not an if proposition, this is a when proposition. And so, you know, the, the best practice is to, is to understand and have plans to mitigate issues, but there are some folks that are so critical uh, that it's, it, it would be difficult uh, to mitigate depending on how critical they are to you. And that's, that's very tough. I, I think this goes back to zero trust. You you have to have vendors, but you have to also not trust them. Um, we are we have vendors that we use daily that we do not trust. We we have deletion policies. We don't put anything sensitive on those vendors in preparation for a data breach that we just expect. Um, and I think you have to think about it that way. People are often surprised how often very well-known companies are breached. You know, we, we keep track of that stuff here at Act Notice. Uh, Facebook last year had like six, seven, eight different vulnerabilities they disclosed, same thing with Twitter. Um, you know, the, the well-known companies that spend a lot on security disclose a lot of breaches that you never hear about in the news. And so uh, you, you have to be incredibly uh, careful with whatever information you're sharing with a third party. You're going to use third parties, uh, but you, you need to sort of plan out your policy for them before you start giving them all your information. Yeah, let's assume that uh, JetBrains' Jet um, statement that, uh, that they are essentially not at fault is true. Um, it goes back to SolarWinds losing the key and SolarWinds not securing their Team City instance to allow this happen. They could have done more to um, basically set up Team Cities to assume um, that anyone has the key should have the key. And if this was an attack, then, um, then 
they they trusted the key implicitly and they could have done more to to, to prevent this new zealand central bank says data system hacked sensitive information potentially accessed i mean banks get hacked every every day so um i think this was noteworthy because it was the new zealand reserve bank it was actually the government's central bank is that right yes yeah central bank so that's bad pretty bad um but then again, government agencies get hacked every day. And I think the Federal Reserve was included in SolarWinds. I, I can't say for sure. Um, the two things I highlighted from this article were the sentence, a third-party file sharing service used by the Reserve Bank of New Zealand to share and store sensitive information has been illegally accessed. Um, and the second sentence I highlighted was the bank declined to answer emailed questions seeking more details. So from a technical standpoint, uh, you could let your imagination run wild. Maybe it's box, maybe it's Dropbox. Smart Money says it's misconfigured S Amazon S3 instance. Who knows? So. Yeah, I, this, <clears throat> this is not a good event but we don't know enough to know how bad it is and um it is not the central bank of new zealand is not a common vendor um and i even if all of their information was stolen uh that that would make for an incredibly interesting um you know panama papers uh, to see what sort of government dealings the country of New Zealand has, but I don't, I don't see the attack vector here. Um, you know, you could uh, steal money from the country of New Zealand. You could try to commit fraud. You could. Um, I think it would have been much more damaging if the hackers had deployed ransomware. I think this headline would have been much more interesting if it said. Central Bank of New Zealand no longer exists due to ransomware. Like that would have been way scarier. Like that would just have been very, very bad. Yeah, just a hacker like poking poking around. I I it's it's bad, but it's not inherently like the world is ending bad. So um I mean central banks need to be very careful because um, they manage the money. Uh, but other, otherwise, I, I guess this is TBD, right? We don't know how bad this is until they tell us more. Number five, headline reads, Russian hackers sentenced to 12 years in prison for involvement in massive network intrusions at U.S. financial institutions, brokerage firms, a major news publication, and other companies. Christ's sake, Steve, get it together. <laughs> This guy, he's the problem. Andre Tiarin had been sentenced to 12 years after being extradited from Georgia, uh, after he was found guilty for committing all sorts of uh, online internet fraud, uh, conspiracy, phishing, all of that. And uh, he's being sentenced 12 years after making $19 million of proceeds over all of his illegal uh 
activities online. What are your thoughts? Uh, that is more than a million a year. And it's in Bitcoin, so it's probably going to appreciate. Um, so I know a lot of people that would take that deal. Um, plus, who's jailing him? Russia or the U.S.? The U.S. The U.S. extradited him back in like 2018. Uh, yeah. And he had been waiting for trial. I mean, good behavior. He could get out in half the time. So I've been watching a lot of The Wire. So he's 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 one he's one inside informant away from cutting his time in half. Um, and not condoning anything, but clearly, I think the the point here is to keep in mind that a lot of this crime is financially motivated. That might seem self evident, but most people are worried about APP. They're worried about uh, politically motivated crime. Uh, people go after third parties to get your data and they go after you because they're chasing low hanging fruit for a buck. And the ones that do it successfully are quite successful indeed. And I think that this just shows how financially motivated you can be where the sentence might be worth the take there's a lot of people that, that go to jail for 12 years that didn't make $19 million. And I assume the U.S. was not successful in seizing the $19 million. I assume that $19 million exists in a Bitcoin wallet somewhere. Um, and he has memorized the activation key. Also, <laughs> along, along with what you guys are saying, I would highly suspect that... Um, He's the fall guy in this, that there are other people behind him that uh, convince him to take the hits um, for benefits of, his, of himself and his family. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's something deeper in this, and, and he's just kind of the low-hanging fruit in all this. And also, it should be noted that a lot of these stories you hear, A, we don't know which bear he is a part of, um and never and, mentioned yeah we we never know we, we don't know which which bear he was part of um and also um uh b um yeah I, I remember what i was gonna say um most of these stories that we hear that um when russian hackers do if they even get arrested we we usually don't hear them hear that they're that they're even caught um, this gentleman was arrested in Georgia. Usually what, what happens is that- To clarify, the country they, of Georgia. The, the country of Georgia, not like uh, the- Not Savannah. Uh, not he wasn't, Savannah, not he wasn't vacationing, vacationing no. in Savannah, Georgia. Right, right. He wasn't a- uh, The destination of Russian hackers. No, no not like Kennesaw State, uh, Georgia. Um, so most of the stories that we hear, I'm, I'm actually surprised he got arrested because what usually happens is that they just go somewhere within the country of the vast country of Russia and disappear and they never get caught. So, Well, that's been an episode of Bourbon and Breaches. If you enjoyed what you saw today, uh, please like, subscribe, and comment. Oh boy, you should comment. Uh, and if you have a bourbon that you want us to cover, please comment and let us know. If you have a breach you want us to cover, please also comment and let us know. 
Uh, until next time, cheers.